This is Coda Radio, episode 209 for June 13th, 2016. everyone and welcome to Coda Radio, Jupiter Broadcasting's weekly talk show taking a pragmatic look at the art and business of software development and related technologies. This episode is brought to you by our two fine sponsors, DigitalOcean and Linux Academy. I'll tell you more about those great sponsors as this here show goes on. My name is Chris and joining us every single week is the ABS of podcasters that's always be shipping. Why yes folks, it's Mr. Michael Dominic. Hello there, Michael! I'm incredibly happy you said, like, ABS and not, like, HIV. Or, or ABC, which I've recently learned is any anybody but uh, Clinton, I guess, is the... Is the yeah, is that a thing? I, yeah, ABC. Anybody but Clinton, that's the thing. It's cute, right? ABC. I like that. Uh, well, you know... We're hell dogs. Mr. Dominic, a little birdie tells me. Now, I don't know if this is true or not. I can't confirm what birdies tell me, but birdies have told me that uh, your birthday this week landed on WWDC. Is that true? It's true. I, and And... I saved my and for my birthday I saved two thousand dollars of flying to California by staying home. <laughs> wow, that is well. Happy birthday! I don't believe you. Thank you. Yeah, it's nice to uh, it's yes. nice to join you on this special WWDC day. Uh, the uh, the other thing that's sort of neat about today is uh, what's this about? A, what about a preview launch? With a, with a discount, so I, a 25% discount. What is 25% this? 25% discount. I am doing a soft beta launch, as they call it. I, I, I learned this from Richard Hendricks of Silicon Valley. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's because I've never heard that concept before of a new app that I'm releasing called Get Mask. Mask spelled like a, you know, M-A-S-Q-E. What it does is it allows you to literally mask the commits on your Git repo. Now, you may ask, why would you want to do this? Well, this is very recently required of me, actually, that I not show my email address in the repo because it was like sub, 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 subcontracting. Sub, sub, mm. Yes, that's it. I heard you like subs, so I, I put a subcontractor. <laughs> put your subcontractor. I heard you like subs. <laughs> How about a subway? Oh. Uh, uh, mm. so the idea here is there's a nice little Mac GUI, very small utility. You open it up, you point it to the repo, you put whatever email address, whatever name you want in there. It will change the Git committer and the Git author, and it will tie in correctly with GitHub and Bitbucket. That's awesome. It does, it does all of this locally. Again, the use case being the one I had was a client wanted me to then push a repo, another remote to their client's repo, but they wanted it to say it was basically customer support at myclient.com instead of michael at buccaneertech.com. So uh, how's it been getting back in the desktop saddle? How's it feeling so far? I mean, I, I put this up today. I mean, I and let's just briefly talk about this because it ties into the Apple stuff. I've been like agonizing trying to develop a software store for my website because I use Stripe for credit card processing. And I was like, you know, this is done, and this is not that big of an app, and I don't know if it's going to have such a big market. Why don't I just throw it on Gumroad, mm-hmm. right? Uh, Gumroad, this is the one I used for CodeJournal a couple years back. It gives me email support, it gives me licensing, and it gives me credit card processing, as well as the ability just to email you an updated uh IPA file in this case. That is really nice, isn't it? The only downside to it is they can't take PayPal. And I know, well, last time I got some stuff about, hey, you know, we really don't want to not use PayPal. But this is really a system to scale for. Uh, so here's what happens. Here's the, here's what I here's what I perceive the common problem this is fixing. Uh, in the day, you would have used the term shareware developer, but you know, a developer right. creates a piece of software. They say, oh, go buy my software from my website directly. You buy that version. Now you want to get the next version. The problem is the first time the developer released the software, they just took PayPal payments for the software. They didn't, they didn't have a system to track who's yeah. actually authorized to buy it, how to get the word out to those people that there's an update, how to deliver them the update for the people that have bought it within a certain amount of time. There was, you know, They never thought about that stuff. They just thought, well, here's version one. And now when it came time to version two, there's an expectation built in because of years of how software upgrades have worked that the users just have when they, when they buy a piece of software. Does this solve I mean, some of those a, problems? Is that, is that in my tracking? It, it basically solves some. Like, for instance, I would not do an early release thing like this previously on the Mac. Mm. First of all, this app, this app cannot be on the Mac App Store, 
which is a whole other conversation about sandboxing. But I could not, and we talked about it a few weeks ago. I didn't tell you exactly what it did. You know, this is an early release, and I'm giving 25% off. It seems a little silly discussing discounts when the main price is $7, <laughs> but I'm giving it away. I'm giving it for five twenty-five today. <laughs> but whatever, it's still 25% off, mm-hmm. only because, you know what, I'm not sure if anybody's going to be interested in this. I have to use it because I was asked to use it, and I was actually like, I was doing it on the command line. Like, you know what? These commands are so easy to mess up. It's so easy to break your repo. Let me just make a utility for myself. And I've been running it for about a month and a half, and I decided to commercialize it. I hope people buy it, and I will be adding a couple like nice-to-have features where maybe you add the remote in, and it just automatically converts, pushes the repo for you, and then converts back so that you don't have to have two copies of your repo or worry about you know, rewriting history or anything like that. Don't know. We'll see. Well, good on you, man. And uh, I think uh, it's uh, pretty cool. You shipped it uh, on your birthday. (laughs) Yeah, it shipped this morning, so go get it. Get ask. uh, 525. Get it. Uh, So you said said, uh, this is something you won't find in the App Store, but it turns out there has been some rather noticeable improvements. I don't know if we really talked about it, but Apple's famous for, for waiting forever to get your apps approved. And I guess they've yeah. recently sped that process up. A lot of people have been talking about it. And now that Apple actually recently came out and bragged about it a bit. It, does this change the calculus for you at all, though? Uh, it does, actually. So I seriously, last night, was sitting uh, on the couch after a barbecue thinking, I had always planned on releasing it today when I failed to release it last week. Should I kind of mothball this and write a version that could be sandboxed to go on the Mac App Store? Hmm. Because it's such a niche, you have to have this weird need type of product. I decided it was sandboxing wasn't worth it. But I, you know, as a user, given the choice, I tend to buy things in the Mac App Store now. So I can't imagine me not, especially if I if I can really be guaranteed a forty eight hour review time. That's fine, right? That, that's yeah. awesome. I guess if you recall, my yeah, my biggest complaint previously with the Mac App Store was you know my thirty plus day review times were getting were really sure, getting yeah. out of hand. Yeah, I guess it doesn't. To me, it seems like something that's maybe more of a game changer would probably be the new subscription model, just because we've constantly talked about different ways of trying to make some sort of profit from uh, from a reasonable amount of profit, not like you know not crazy crazy profits, but just you know a sustainable development amount of profits. Uh, and the subscription system that they've had for a long time has been really locked down to very limited use cases. And now, I, I mean, depending on how you read it, it, it seems like a lot of apps, anything that – anything if the subscription goes to the sustained development of the app, for example, it now qualifies as something that could have a subscription model built in. Yeah, so let's talk about this for a minute. Uh, you know, previously I'd been discussing potentially larger scale iPad Pro style applications, but the whole monetization question was really hard. This prescription, oh, I'm sorry, subscription, subscription. not prescription. Yeah. <laughs> it's not like Oxy. Pricing definitely helps that. Though I'm not sure, and I was wondering what you found on this because I've been trying to figure it out for a couple of days now. Can I give you the app for nothing, but then have you pay the subscription in the app and have the app basically not work unless you pay the subscription? I don't, I don't know about that. So here's that's really right. That's really what I would want, right? An annual subscription, and you're just basically make it the equivalent of you buying a new version every year. So here's what Schiller said in an interview. Phil Schiller, who runs the apps, is the head of the App Store, says that enterprise apps could move to subscription. Professional apps require a lot of maintenance of new features and versions would be a good fit. Games with new levels would be a good fit. But I, uh, it, it sounds like beyond that, I'm not actually sure. I, again, it feels like a lot of times these changes, these announcements, these these uh, big announcements get made. It's not a it's not a huge change. Well, I think it's more of a change in policy than anything else, right? I suppose so, and I think what we'll see is people pushing the boundaries on these new what can be fall, what can be a subscription. Uh, it, it, I I don't know. I I find it I find it possible that it would be. It could seem like a good way to get. Uh, I, I Recurring hope revenue like, for enterprise yeah. apps or iPad Pro apps potentially, but other than that, I just I'm not very excited about this. 
Well, my my concern, and I really hope this isn't true, is that this is going to be another uh, iOS 8 extension debacle where we eventually find out where the line is, but a bunch of poor small developers do it through rejections, right? Because that's not... Yeah, you're going to have a whole bunch of developers fall on swords. <laughs> and then... Right. right. Yeah. It's, it's, but I don't know. I mean, I, I've read the guidelines over and over again, and it is vague. I mean, it's... On the one breath, they say any app that has ongoing development can have subscriptions. Well, that... Yeah. That you have it, but then they say, though, this is not appropriate for all business models. Oh, and last, lastly about this, I would say, too, one thing that's kind of a nice change is after the first year, Apple reduces their cut. To 15%, which is far more reasonable. Yeah, that is actually better than, what is it, 30 before? That's a pretty good, and, pretty good cut. But let's, let's talk about Google for one second, because they, they immediately followed with the same deal, but actually better, right, where they're doing 15% up front. And... I'm not sure how true this part is. I, I've heard it several times, and I haven't been able to find it on a Google site. They'll allow you to have your own payment processing on the Android app in the Play Store. Hmm. That would be awesome. Hmm. And over 2 million apps they touted today in WWDC. Yep. Hmm. Okay, that's, you there know. You go. 50 billion in revenue paid to developers. That's a bit of a better number. It's so awesome to be Candy Crush. Yeah, right, yeah. Huh. 5,000 developers were in attendance at WWDC with 100 of those being under 18. The youngest was a nine-year-old girl who will make one heck of a developer, <laughs> Cook said. There you go. So are you ready to start talking about WWDC? Are we, have we stumbled our way into it? Are you, uh, are you prepared? Let's stumble our way into it. All right. Uh, you know, um, I'm going to mention something Linux Academy is working on real quick because this is a cool new feature of Linux Academy. So linuxacademy.com slash coders is where you go to sign up for Linux Academy, which is a platform to learn more about all of the technologies built around Linux. They're introducing a new feature that they, they call it uh, social cards, note cards. Now, you're familiar with the concept of note cards, obviously. This, I, I don't know, social is, is probably the right way to put it. But it's not like social in terms of Twitter. It's social in terms of taking advantage of the community that's on Linux Academy. So you probably don't often think about social features when you're thinking about studying note cards, especially online. But check this out. Linux Academy is going to upgrade, essentially, your note cards and let people fork different stacks and create new mixes of really great note cards for these systems. So like in the UI example they have here, they have Linux Essentials. And you can see there's people that have the most, the most forked versions. And then there's a reputation system around the people that have created these stacks. So you can get an idea of how great these stacks are and what their overall reputation is for these kinds of things. So they're building in a reputation system and all of that to help people get... I mean, think about, think about how dynamic this is to help people get some really great note cards to really study. Reputation changes with forks of a card as well as likes and dislikes and spam reports will all be tracked. So you gain reputation when someone likes or forks a card as well as when you report an irrelevant card as spam. And you can also uh, lose some reputation when your cards are disliked, reported to spam, or when you report a card to spam when it's not. So there's a little, that's kind of nice too. This is a pretty cool concept, and I think it's, it's, it's going to have some serious legs. In fact, they're kind of kicking it off with a $200 Amazon gift card incentive. If you want to start creating cards and start getting them forked, they're going to look for the top decks in the coming weeks. So this is it's a brand-new feature. So it's, if you're already a Linux Academy subscriber, I would jump in on this because they're going to reward the top 10 users with $200 Amazon, $200 Amazon gift cards. They're going to give you more details soon. So that's pretty cool. And if you're a Linux Academy member, they also have a post exclusive to members that's logged in by Anthony where you can read more about it. But these cards are cool. You can earn reputation. You each like and con- contributes basic reputations to the creator. You're going to get great stacks to, to learn the courseware for Linux Academy. It's a really nice system. So go to linuxacademy.com coders and check out the entire courseware. So much courseware with instructor mentoring, servers that spin up on demand that you can SSH into that match the distributions you've chosen. It's a great platform, linuxacademy.com. Slash coders. So I was live streaming the WWWWWWDC keynote uh, today, watching to see what would be sort of applicable to our show. And um, there's a few bits I thought we could pull out and discuss. I know not everyone loves the uh, the Apple topics, but there's a few things that I thought were kind of interesting. So they they renamed Mac OS 10 to Mac OS, lowercase Mac OS, and the new yeah. one's going to be called Sierra, Sierra or something like that. And, you know, I hear if you type in the Konami code, it actually just opens. <laughs> It'll actually just open up King's Quest. Uh, what did you think of the auto-unlock feature? 
Did you see that where if you know you're I did. I did. Um I I think that's interesting. It's like smart Bluetooth devices on Android, kinda. Where you can have it unlock if it's within range. It's kind of nice. Universal it's clipboard nice. where it's shared across iOS and Mac devices. Yeah, that, that's awesome. I would totally use that. Optimized storage. Now, this is an interesting feature that I think I would hate. It moves older files, but only certain types of files, obviously, that the, the engine recognizes uh, yeah, off to the cloud. A lot, lot of faith in HFS Plus. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> yeah. And also, one of the other things they've done is they've taken on some of those traditional app, uh, Apple Mac uh, maintenance utilities like Apple Jacks and Onyx. And yep. where they go through and clean your logs and your caches and purge your temp files and all that. They've just built that in now to Mac OS. They've just, they Sherlocked. The, the tools I never thought would get Sherlocked have just been Sherlocked by Apple uh, in this keynote, which I thought was interesting. I, I just want to stop you. We have had three references in this show. We've been on for five minutes. <laughs> that date the crap out of both of us. Tanks Quest by Sierra. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Shareware. Yeah. And Sherlocked. Yeah. Yeah. I know. That's how. Yeah, 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 really. There's something about that when you talk when you get into an Apple heavy episode. It's funny how these old forty uh, year old, thirty year old references start coming out. <clears throat> Anyways, what do you think also about the Apple Pay on the web? Goodbye Gumrobe, goodbye Stripe. Now you got Apple Pay on the web for everybody. It also has an iPhone with Touch ID. Can I make a confession? Hmm. I have yet to use either Apple Pay or Android Pay ever. I have only used Apple Pay in limited, limited quantity. Uh, see, part of my problem is like my bank keeps sending me new cards, and sometimes it's a pain in the ass to activate. But the one, one or two times, maybe two times, I've used it. It was pretty cool, and it's way easier than you know, getting out all the crap. Because I was like, "Hey, does this thing do app beep?" And it's pain. I'm like, "Oh, yes, it does." <laughs> okay. Oh, <yeah. laughs> okay. I mean, I haven't used it yet. I, uh, uh, I don't see. This is where I don't get it. So maybe you can explain. I get why I might want Apple Pay online as someone who buys things because mm. I do not want to give my credit card number out because I have the worst luck on the planet. Uh-huh. But why do I go to a store and I'm somehow incapable of picking out my wallet and whipping Ooh, out a two Visa things card? for me about it that I like? Number one, um, I have a lot of different cards for like my personal life, my business, uh, family Drug accounts. Hotel. So, yeah, but the personal hooker account, uh, hey, you know, all that. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Sure. Because that's that's I have so much time. I just go out and, you know, the the, uh, (laughs) let me tell you about the uh, the the hooker economy in Arlington, Washington. is so it's it's just blossoming, I'm sure. Um, The reason so I often forget my wallet or I don't have the right combination of cards in there for some unforeseeable set of circumstances that have always led me to that. Or uh, they've had to be recently be deactivated. This is a common problem. That's wrong. Yeah. But I, I also it's quicker. The other thing I like about it, though, really, is they generate a unique token just to that transaction for that transaction. The uh, reseller, the the retailer, I should say, uh, doesn't get my name, doesn't get my card's expiration date, doesn't get my card number, can add nothing to their big data database about it. Um, and so I like yes. that it's a, it is a I like from that standpoint, it's much more it's much more of a private transaction. So it's a big fu to Hadoop, basically. It's, there's that, and there's also the fact that uh, I, for some reason, never forget my phone. Most, like, ninety eight percent of the time, never forget my phone, but do forget my wallet. About I forget my phone all the time. See, I think I'm just like messed up in some way. Yeah. Oh, well, before probably. we before we go too far, the other news that LinkedIn tried to hide by having it on the same day as WWDC. They're <laughs> now owned by Microsoft. Yeah. Microsoft. Yeah. yeah. That's a marriage and a half. Mar- yeah, we yeah. Don't, I'll, I'm going to talk about that. I have a, I have a theory, but I've been sort of still working on it because I think I, was, I think I'm going to read a little more before Tech Talk. But I have a theory about that. Um, uh, Apple Pay on the web right. it seems like a no going to go nowhere to me. Uh, seems seems very kind of weird. You know, the the Sierra stuff in general just kind of short circuiting here. What about what about hold up before you go too far? What about the tabs everywhere thing? Like he's tabs in everything. Developers don't have to do anything. We're going to have tabs everywhere. It's tabs, tabs, tabs. We heard you like tabs. So we put tabs in your tabs. Did you see yeah, that part? I'm like, holy shit! They're going I don't, crazy. I, don't, I use tabs in Chrome. Yeah, I use and in my terminal. Sure, maybe my oh, file manager my ter- terminal. I use tabs. Yeah, yeah. my file uh, manager. Sometimes manager, I do not. I do new Windows. I generally do new Windows too, so that way I can see where I'm going and stuff. It just so it's so weird dragging a file up into a tab. I just don't like it. It feels hokey. I don't like it, and I have a big, I you know, 27 inch monitor. So, uh, I yeah. So uh, tabs every Mac OS is getting. 
feels long in the tooth a little bit to me. But uh, also, did you notice they didn't? It doesn't get some of the new features like some of the new iMessage stuff, which I thought. I don't know any other Sierra. Do you stuff? want it? I mean, it, so I was actually fairly happy with Sierra, only that they didn't do anything. Right, the tabs yeah. I can. Oh, not, oh, oh can we're missing not. the big thing: Siri built-in Siri integration. Oh, Siri. Like I said, they didn't do anything. Wow. I, I don't know. Siri sounded better and had way more sass. Did you notice how sass she was? She's a lot of sass. She gets very rough around mid-June. <laughs> you know, demos. I, I don't know. I thought that was kind of uh, I thought that was kind of an interesting thing. So you got Siri on the Mac, which I found to be obvious. It's probably going to be as useful as Cortana on Windows 10. Ooh. You know, however, I, I, however, I will say this. I feel like Siri's been getting a lot of crap lately. I feel like people have been like, oh, Google has lapped Siri, well, and Alexa and founders, is... Right, and the founders from the company that right. originally developed Siri yeah. just kind of bailed and yeah. made Siri too. I mean... Maybe, you know, maybe this is just a happy circumstance for me, but a lot of the types of questions that I ask Siri, Google now does not properly answer. And they're just simple ones like, what's the weather tomorrow? Or what's the temperature outside? Now... Google now will give me a weather report, but it'll give me a five-day weather report. If I say, what's the temperature outside? So let's try this just really quick. So I'm going to – here, let's just, just see if I'm – just Google to see – we'll do, I'll do both. I'll, I'll show you. So first I'm going to do Google, and, I'll, and, and I don't – maybe it does because I might – because this Google's – the thing about the Google stuff is it changes constantly and is often improving where Siri only gets updates like once a year. Okay, Google, what's the temperature outside right now? It's 52 degrees in Arlington right now. Okay, good. So they do do it. Well, never mind. So that's why I always have to retest this. Now, now see if I ask Siri the same thing. What's the... Mr. Shatner. Yes? Your language. <laughs> really? really? What's Mr. the temperature Shatner. outside right now? It's currently 54 degrees. Yeah, okay. So they both do the same thing. I find that I find Siri to be pretty capable. I don't really find Siri to do much. In fact, much that Google Now doesn't do. In fact, the one big thing for me that Siri does that Google Now doesn't do, at least not right, is I can say, you know, hey, Gizmo, remind me when I get to the office to plug the hard drive in. And it actually, when I get to the office, reminds me to plug the hard drive in. Because I don't know when I'll get to the office because traffic always sucks, right? So I, in, with Google, I have to say, you know, in an hour. But with Siri, I can just say, when I get there. And I find, I don't know, maybe it, I don't, I just, I, I actually don't think See, Siri's I, all that bad I to find, begin with. I, I don't think Siri's terrible, um, but I've always found Google now to be a little more useful in that it's more intuitive, or uh, not intuitive, proactive. I mean, yeah, for sure. I get tons of email and it will say, hey, yeah. you have these meeting yep. requests that you haven't responded to. Or if I set a Google Calendar appointment and it conflicts, it'll actually be like you have a conflicting appointment. Yeah, Google now is more than just the voice assistant, where I was just kind of talking right. about the voice I, I, well, I would say the voice isn't – yeah, fair enough. The voice isn't – is actually the weakest part, in my opinion, for the Google side. Uh, I like – I've always had a soft spot for Siri because I like that she's very personified. Like Siri is a person. Right. Whether you, whether you like that person or you think that person – I've read a lot of articles about people who have problems with, with the way Siri's kind of, quote, played as like, you know, like an actress. Um, I – And apparently even more so in that – in that video, I mean, she's sassy. She's uh, she's, she's just mean. Right? Here's she's your files, like, oh, and yeah, here's your files, uh, bastards. Were you surprised there was no hint of a dedicated device? No, and th- so this is what I wanted to talk about a little today. No hardware whatsoever, and I was extremely disappointed. But I am also happy that they didn't decide or feel compelled to do an Alexa copycat. I don't know if I agree. I don't know if I agree. So you wanted, like, a Siri box. You wanted, like, a Siri cylinder? I don't know. I don't know if I personally do, but if they're between uh, Google Home, Amazon Alexa Echo thingy, and a Siri thing, I probably would trust the Siri thing the most in terms of my privacy and if they're listening to me and all that. Which was a point they kept hitting, that most of this is done on the device, uh, no user identifiable information, gets sent to the cloud, blah, 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 blah. I think I'm done with, you know, I'm I, I'm at the point now where I'm busy, like ridiculously busy, that I'm willing to trade some privacy. Oh my god! Google. Oh my god! Yeah, this is I know, I know, no, no, I'm here too I, with you. I'm right here with you, and I have been feeling so shitty about this because I'm 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 the host of the Linux Action Show. I'm <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking, you know what? I'm, I I have my photos, have my location, have my email. In fact, I'll even opt into inbox. Go the next level. 
preemptively guess where I'm driving. Let me give. I am. I'm all in, dude. I can't help it because I am so busy that if I can have five percent help, if I, I'm, you got me going now. If I can get just a little tiny bit of help on anything, man, anything, I'll take it right now. It's too much, and so. That's that's why when they're talking about on-device stuff, I'm like, yeah, do that. Organize my photos for me because I am too busy to organize my photos, but I, it, my photos mean a lot to me. And I, I do like going back through them and reviewing them and looking at memories. Well, now, now that I have a child, photos are extremely important. Yes, like, yeah. Before, I didn't give a rat's ass, but right. all of a sudden, seven weeks later, I really, Yeah, you're, really you're willing to pay for two yeah. backup services and, you know, like me. You know, I, 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 I looked at the Dropbox. I'm sorry to cut you off. I looked at the Dropbox solution. And I was like, okay, this is basically dumb storage. Yeah. Then I'm like, you know what? I gave Google all my other information. Let me, you know, put the kids' photos there. It can figure out if he's in the car, if he's with his mother, figured out, you know, what Laura looks like. I mean, which is creepy in itself. Like, it, it now figured out, like, what the family structure is. Mm-hmm. But you know what? I can tell my phone. I would like a photo of my son with one of my dogs, and it will bring up a photo of the kid with the dog, like, 90% of the time, mm-hmm. which is kind of awesome. And I, 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 I respect that Apple wants to do on-device, and I think these devices are getting powerful enough that it's time for that. I also, though, am doubtful that it can be as competent as Google's system. Well, you're making a trade, right? So the trade you and I seem to be making is, I mean, maybe I'll just speak for myself. You know, there are things that I'm bad at that Google now in particular is very good at, reminding me when the household bills are due, reminding me about appointments, reminding me about local events, and uh, organizing my photos, which I'm like mentally challenged that and for me just like another example of something google now is it's a small thing but the automatic package tracking where i don't have to do anything it reads my email creepy and then finds the tracking id creepy and then automatically tracks it for me and then puts it in a google now card the reason why that's nice is when i order stuff i have it sent to the studio and so i can look for my phone when i'm at home and know if it's arrived at the studio or not without having to go into my email and finding the tracking id and using the horrible web experience on the phone um, it's really it's small things like that that are actually pretty nice, even when it is a little dumb sometimes too. Oh, I, I love it! I love it. I mean, again, because I have a package delivered to my office. Generally speaking, UPS will not leave a package at a commercial uh, ad- address without someone being there. It lets me know, hey, Google's like your package will be delivered two o'clock. Just so you know, it's one thirty. You're at you're out to lunch or whatever. You should get back if you want to get this package. That's the kind of proactive stuff I like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it also told me that, hey, Mike, it looks like you put on some weight. Are you serious? So that was, You're no, I'm <laughs> like, oh, my God. But that is not unfe- – like, that is – You're right. And totally- actually, I could use that help, too, to tell you the truth. It's like, I see you've gone to Firebirds again. All right, fat ass, no hot wings. Yeah. Yeah, you got to stop ordering sick. sandwiches, Chris. That's what it would tell me. Too many sandwiches. The fourth beer, Chris? Hey, look at that. It's telling me right now that it's your birthday, too. That's it. Now, if I would have looked at Google now before I went on air, I would have known that. That's super creepy. <laughs> I can wish you a happy birthday over Google+. Plus. That's part of the problem. This will never and be I've... fully useful. until See, the, Google, the, the Apple system is appealing to me because, for example, they had – okay, so in, we're going to jump ahead a little bit. But in iOS, they have a, the Today screen. Did you know, did, Okay. So in the Today screen, I... it's, it's essentially a bunch of Siri-generated content plus uh, widgets from the App Store. I would prefer to be able to wish you a happy birthday over Twitter than wish you a happy birthday over Google+. But because this is Google Now, my only option is Google+. But now, is that because you know that I happen to use Twitter a lot and I don't use Google Plus very much? Or same, but the same thing for me. No, I, I, just prefer, I would just prefer to ha- wish you a happy birthday over Twitter. Uh, and I just um, – I'm a, but see, in the Apple, the iOS solution, there will probably just be a TweetBot widget in there where I could do something like that. Yeah, it seems like extension on steroids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which it's nice. I mean, that's the iMessage integration, all that kind of stuff seems where that system ought to go. Although it's, never, um, it's not always perfect either. Like right now it says, I'm going to get a package that's estimated to arrive tomorrow, which is when I thought. I mean, that's when they told me it would be here. Uh, but it actually arrived this morning. But it still shows in my Google Now feed that uh, it'll arrive tomorrow. How does it know, right? Let's see what Google Now is telling me. So it's kind of it's kind of some of it's hit and miss. So I don't want to oversell it at the same time, but uh, it's definitely gotten really good at figuring out what kind of news stories I like, and it's having a lot of fun showing me different stuff about the election. Are you getting stuff about the election in your Google Now feed? 
Yeah, but Google now can't figure out if I'm a Democrat or Republican. Yeah, That's same funny. Yeah, yeah, same. <laughs> they keep slipping over. Right now, it's like, all right, you're probably. You like reading about both these, so uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess it's. So here's both. Here's a donkey, here's an elephant. Go, go away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I guess both approaches, I'm really glad Apple's doing it at scale. They're going to do on device uh, object recognition, facial, rec- facial recognition. Um, okay, but don't don't you worry that that doesn't uh, long term that that puts them in a huge kind of functional disadvantage? Maybe. Um, so they talked about they talked about a few things. Uh, I don't know if we should jump ahead too much. Well, well, before before we jump ahead, it's on the whole AI bot thing because right? yeah. that's really what we're talking about here. We're talking right. about you know buzzword bot. Microsoft came out a few months ago and says we're we have a beta toolkit to build right. bots, and I got all excited yeah. and played with it. Facebook came out and said, build bots on Messenger right. because no one ever logs out of Facebook, right. which is sadly true. And then Google said, how about we just show you a bot that works? Thanks. Oh, and we have all your data. So it knows everything about yeah, it. Well, and they also, I think, you know, here's machine learning at scale. We're going to make this available to you. But, right, right. Google's like, this isn't theory for us. We've already got it going. Yeah, we just call it machine learning, and we think that's a more appropriate name. Sure. But don't you think it makes sense for Apple to... You know, I'm a little torn, so I'm going to... I'm surprised you're not digging Apple. So here's how I see Apple's... So don't you... But look at look what they did with iMessage, and they introduced iMessage apps. Those are bots. Those are bots. Yeah, they're, they're chatbots, right? That's exactly I feel like what Apple's saying in this keynote, Mike, is they're saying, we can't do the big data thing, especially not the way Google can do it, or maybe even Microsoft. So instead of us implementing those features, we're just going to open up the API, and we're going to let developers create the Siri app. We're going to let you create the iMessage app, and they're going to okay, outsource... Your your Siri app is really only integrated with messages. It's not going to be integrated with the whole. You can't replace Siri, right? Well, no, but you could. You could. I think you would be able to use WhatsApp as a messenger if you wanted to. If it was a Siri app, so you could have something that integrates with Siri that could send a message through WhatsApp. Sure, sure. My point though is, if you take top end Android phone, top end iPhone from next year, and the Android one has the Google Bot, which they weirdly just call Google. But nobody's going to use their nobody's going to use their chat servers. Nobody's going to nobody's going to leave it's, WhatsApp see, the chat or Snapchat. The, I'm telling you, the chat services are just the beachhead. That is where the where bots are being developed now because it's convenient. It's easy as a text interface, and easy is a very relative term, right? Eventually, all these bots are going to go back to voice. They're going to be system wide, and that's where Google, uh, unless they really screw up, has a huge advantage. You know, Google Now, machine learning, the Google Bot, stupid Aloe, which is a really bad name for an app. Just terrible. That's all really one thing, right? It's called Google. It's one thing. They're just branding it in pieces. And, you know, may- maybe it's 2018, not 2017, though I really think it's 2017. It won't be, oh, my WhatsApp messages or, you know, Google Hangout, which I guess is being killed, a Google Aloe user. It'll be, I'm a Google user or I'm not. And I'm thinking that or not, or I'm not option is going to be a very, very hard choice given how, you know, I don't understand how anyone could say that Google is not miles ahead of the race here. Yeah, absolutely. But how do you get people off of Snapchat and WhatsApp and Telegram? And They die. How do you get people to stop buying Beanie Babies? You let four years go by and it's over. No, no one. People don't need all these messaging apps. Right? I don't know. People Snapchat need... though is like bigger than Twitter now. Well, well, I'm sure one day a federal indictment will, will end Snapchat. You might be right I mean, there, but uh, that's going to happen. So, well, really, or if you're Google, you just find a way to be inside the app, anyways. Because if it's on your platform, I mean, look what they do with Google on Tap and, and Android right. Instant Apps. They could just be. They'll make themselves part of the experience, <laughs> or, or they'll just make, or you know. All they have to do is bring their – really, it's about scale, their scale to bear on the market. And I, you know, users, including us, are trading privacy for convenience all the time. Well, I, I, I guess I have a theory on what Apple could do, and I actually think they're on to something. Ahead. I actually I, – OK. I have, I have a – I have – it's my – I have four big takeaways from WW – or actually five. Because this was the fifth one I just added uh, before we started the show. So, and it's this is my fifth takeaway. So, I'll just I'll quickly I'll just quickly run down that first. I'll thank Take it away. DigitalOcean 
Digital Ocean, oh. thank you for sponsoring the Coda Radio program. Man, this is such a great service. And uh, Noah just got in on the block storage beta, so I know those are going out too, and he's super excited about that. They're rolling out features all the time. They started, though, with a couple of really solid premises. So they went, and I think they got the best virtualizer in the business, KVM running on a modern Linux stack. And then they needed to have great I.O., so they went all SSDs for all the machines. And then when you have a great internal I.O., you got to have great external I.O. So they got tier one bandwidth at data centers all over the world. In fact, they just opened up a new one in India. These are key locations, too. I mean, they're really smart about where they pick these. And then they, they brought it all together with the best interface I've ever seen from a native application or a web application for managing this kind of stuff, from setting up a single machine to deploying dozens of machines at once, from a bare Linux installation to an entire application stack that's ready to go and deploy your application immediately. You can start in less than 55 seconds, and pricing plans start only $5 a month. But if you use our promo code CODERDIGITAL, oh, use our promo code CODERDIGITAL, you get a $10 credit. You can try that $5 rig out two months for free. They have great documentation, a solid community full of people that have been contributing to that documentation for a while. And then it exploded so much so that DigitalOcean internally hired new content editors to stay on top of it and make sure they could, con- they could keep the quality extremely high. So that's made for sort of the solid, the one-two punch. The, the Really the first punch is – all of the really great open source application stacks you're going to want are pretty much one click away. And you've got all the features like their snapshots and their backups. But when you do go outside and you start hitting those edge cases of applications that they don't have a stack for, there's so much documentation. And DigitalOcean is such a player now in this space that there's so many people out there that have a knowledge on how to get things working. It's really pretty phenomenal what you can accomplish with the speed of these machines, the price points at which you can get them at, and the speed at which you can create and destroy these machines for troubleshooting, testing, and then deploying to production. They've really got something. DigitalOcean.com. Just use our promo code CODERDIGITAL. And a big thank you to DigitalOcean for sponsoring the Coder Radio program. So I would say I think one of the big takeaways from WWDC this year is it sounds like Apple has a hedge. They kind of have a claim uh, on a way to do big data collection for their AI analysis without doing uh, big data collection, I guess. Uh, Now, I think before we go too far, you have to understand that uh, while Apple isn't inherently good at these particular back-end services, they are particularly good at buying really, really smart small operations that people don't generally know about that have, you know, those real experts in them. And I think that's sort of what's happened here. They're, they're, they're claiming that they're going to implement a philosophy called differential privacy. Now, this might be the first time you've ever heard of the term differential privacy. I think it was for me. Essentially, differential privacy, privacy formalizes the idea that a private computation should not reveal whether any one person participated in the input or not much less what their data is. Uh, different, a differential privacy aims to be a means to maximize the accuracy of queries from t- statistical databases while minimizing the chances of identifying its records. And it turns out one of the companies that's done a lot of leading research on this is Microsoft. Mm-hmm. And I have, uh, I have uh, one of their research papers, which there are many of, uh, linked in the show notes. And uh, they've been looking into this for a while. Uh, it's an idea that's not necessarily totally new. Uh, Microsoft points out in their research paper in 1977, there was a, a, a statistical database that they did something like this with. Uh, so it's not exactly a brand new concept. Even though it's interesting, when you look around online, you also will find lots of people saying it's a fool's gold. You'll never get the data you need. Uh, these are uh, usually uh, big data folks that uh, you know talk about big data in the cloud. But uh, so it, there's a lot of different opinions about this differential privacy technique. But the idea is holy crap! What Apple file system? Sorry, I hate to cut you off. What they, they are what? replacing it? No, what? Where? Yep, uh, they very quietly released this. Shut up! Where? Uh, no, I'm shutting up. Hang on. No, it is not. Life. No, where? What? Truth, tr- truth bombs in the developer docs. I 2017. I, I I I think that's that's huge news. That's huge news because Jesus, that I hate HFS so hard. 
The Apple File System Guide, a new modern file system for iOS, OS X, it still says, and tvOS and watchOS. It optimizes for flash SSD storage and features strong encryption, copy-on-write metadata, and space-sharing, cloning for files and directory snapshots, fast directory sizing, atomic-safe uh, primitives, and improved file system fundamentals. That's awesome. APFS is released as a developer preview in OS 10.12 and is scheduled to ship in 2017. The next-generation file system for Apple products. Yep, and here you go. New file system spotted. Nearly all the features of HFS and offers improvements over HFS, including 64-bit in-node numbers, one nanosecond timestamp granularity, an expansive block allocator, and support for space files and crash protection schemes. Wow. I'm so happy right now. I think I might have to just end the show. I don't even know what's happening right. This is... Uh... That's awesome. I, now, I, this, is re- this is actual real time. I just found it because I... Uh, this is a little inside baseball. At the end of every keynote, I then check the developer site and sure. the uh, very boring pages because sometimes every once in a while, they'll slip something in there, right? And lo and behold, they slip something in there. The Apple file system on the improperly cased Mac OS Sierra. Uh, atomic Safe Save. The Apple file system introduces a new Atomic Safe Save primitive for bundles and directories. Atomic Safe Saves performs renames in a single transaction such that, from a user's perspective, the operation either all happens or does not happen at all. Yes. Yes. No partial operations. Uh, Have they rebuilt uh, their own file system and not just gone with ZFS? So it it sounds like ZFS, but I don't think it is ZFS. A lot of the features of ZFS. Uh, that is, uh, huh. It's optimized for Wait. flash and SSD storage, which probably means you can't use it on a spinning disk. And a, uni- a unique copy-on-write design uses I.O. coalescing to maximize performance while ensuring data reliability. Oh! Wow! That's fantastic. Well, this is huge news. That, mean, is, it, that, yeah. that is big news. That hasn't hit the press yet that either, is, has it? Yeah, it hasn't really hit the press now. Um, Did we, just, we just broke a story. We should uh, put that in the show notes too, huh? We should, yeah, the Apple file system, big time. Yeah. I mean, this is one of the, you know, it was kind of the, how do you want to say it, kind of the redheaded stepchild of the whole ah, Mac OS. Ars Technica looks like they just spotted it too, yeah. Oh, they just spotted yeah, it I'll too. I'll drop that yeah. in the show notes. There you go. So, uh, and it is going to be the same file system across all devices. That doesn't seem, that seems yeah. pretty, yeah. That seems, well, and, and you know what, they're probably going to optimize it for the types of drives that they ship now, right? Sure. These very, um, you know, Alan's talked about too. Alan's talked about too that if the if the if the file system is aware that it's writing to a flash storage and it isn't using like SATA emulation to talk to a flash, that you can you can re, you can get uh, some nice performance improvements as well as um, stability. So wow, that's something. so. I want, who's bold enough to install this on their production machine? <laughs> I don't like. <laughs> not me. I don't know. I don't like the name APFS. I don't. I don't I'm not a big fan of that. I but, thought it was just, it was AP. Uh, so uh, okay, so back okay. to uh, back, back to wherever we wherever we going. Do you want to move? I don't even remember what we were talking about now. But was there any other notes you wanted to hit before we talk about? Uh, any, well, I guess any, so. Just a couple other things. Let's just talk about a couple other things, and uh, and then we'll talk about Swift Playgrounds. Um, mostly, I think uh, just the I, I, already, I guess I already mentioned it earlier. Just the the tabs thing. I just feel like this version of OS went a little nuts. Why don't we talk about Swift Playgrounds? Let's talk about yeah. Let's just jump ahead. Let's talk about that. Uh, so, Swift Playgrounds. What do you think? So, I was going to say that this was the best in show from the keynote, though now it's not. <laughs> well, they didn't put the file oh, system no, in the keynote. They yeah. didn't mention the file system. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Video for this was terrible. I don't understand what they were trying to convey. Well, the video? Um, what do you mean? Wait, 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 this is like, uh, it's like, uh, it's, uh, it's uh, hyper, what was it? Uh, HyperCard. It's HyperCard for the iPad. Yeah. You don't think so? Sure. Swift programming like, language to the iPad with Swift Playground. A touch from the way for beginners. I, 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 yeah, I don't. I always get weird when they get a little too touchy-feely in their keynotes. That's my only point. Like, a little too, you know, the video with all the little kids, whatever. It did not really sell what this was to me. <laughs> but I think this is awesome. I mean, this is exactly the educational tool that I think public schools and, and 
frankly, parents are going to need for their kids. Yeah, I think it's great for uh, just kids at home, too. I'm so sad that there's no Objective-C option. By, by the way, so we didn't hear today. Hmm. What letter of the alphabet was not objectified? So, uh, let's see. What letter of the alphabet? What are you talking about? You talk, you're talking about Objective-C? The fact that we just didn't hear anything about it? You didn't hear a, we did not hear a word. No. I don't even think it got a throwaway mention. No. No, no, no. Objective-C, so, no. no. I, what, you figure that, two more years and then you get the uh, end-of-life announcement? That seems insane. Who knows? Maybe it's more. Maybe I mean, it's more. Uh, that's I'm, super, I'm, just, I'm just remembering when they proclaimed iOS 9 was dead on stage and they even had a casket um, and Steam and all of the things. And then, of course, iOS 9 continued to run in classic mode for years. You mean Mac OS 9, yeah. Oh, yeah, right. Yeah. Sorry. No, but this education product looks like it's free, presumably, where they said it was free. Yes, it is. Yep. They say Weirdly enough, yeah, go they, ahead. Oh, they say it's just, it's just yeah, that uh, it'll be a new way for children to learn. It'll revolutionize the way people learn to code. These are direct quotes. Combining the powerful yep. Swift programming language and the powerful capabilities of iPad. And we believe coding should be a required language in all schools. So that's why Swift Playground will be free. So next person who emails in and says, I want to teach my kid how to code. What do I do? Get an iPad which you probably have, download this app, and there you go. Mm. You know, I do kind of like the – so they, they had an example of like a little robot guy that was walking yeah. and you couldn't complete the level and get the gem until you did the coding for it. That is kind of a neat idea. Well, there is a uh, – there's something called Alice, which is the same thing in basically Java where there's like – it's a 2D thing, just a little robot, and you walk him around to get stuff. I guess you're learning an open source programming language. Right, and I mean, come on, it's it's a kid. It's just learning. The challenge is learning the concepts, right? How to structure data, yeah, yeah. for loops, control statements, things like that. So, yeah. Um, well, I do, I do get the concern that Swift is an Apple-controlled language. It is, you know, it's it's a lot more community-driven than than I think people give it credit for. Yeah, I guess there is sort of that safety net in there. So we have a link to the beta program if you guys want to get in on any of that. Now, we are – this is like our one-a-year all-Apple show now because uh, otherwise we really have not been talking about it very much. We've really been not dealing with Apple much, so. Yeah. Uh, because you – and also, you know what? Why don't we do – we'll do this. Well, as, a, as a thank you to everybody who's not into this stuff for listening to the end of the show, Mike has a special surprise for you at the end, something that he might even have in his hand right now. Uh, so really quickly though, iOS 10. The mother of all releases, Tim Cook said. New lock screen with expanded notifications, which it, really those parts look a lot like Android. Uh, but then the interactive part where you have like real-time Uber maps and uh, message threads um, and uh, what's, WhatsApp chat threads inside the notification bubble seemed kind of nice. Um, you could get third-party widgets in there now. So that seems like a pretty decent upgrade, uh, sort of one of the last real nice features of Android missing from iOS, right? Yeah, it really – I don't know what the technical details behind it are, but it looks like it's just a really good extension of the extension system. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like that. Uh, and then, of course, the big news was that Siri got an API. They've opened her up to third-party developers, and now this is how Apple's going to say, hey, get uh, get your stuff built into Siri. Get your calendar app. Get your events and lookups. You can get all that stuff built in here. And uh, we don't need to have super huge big data because you third-party developers are going to create amazing apps and build your whole businesses around that. Um, I think that's at least their strategy. Siri is also going to be built into calendar events, lookups, multilingual typing on the fly when you're trying to, like, say, switch between Spanish and English. So, so some Google on Google on tap features, but maybe even a little more. Um, but I presume local processing. And a caller ID API. So when you have somebody calling that you don't know, there could be third-party developers creating plugins now to look that up. That's going to get chewed up fast. And uh, VoIP apps have got integration now with the call and lock screen and contacts apps, which this is also particularly nice, um, is, you know, Apple doesn't really have a dog in this hunt. So if you want to use Skype to make that phone call, they're going to do it. Like I was just talking about in that Google Now card, I want to wish you a happy birthday over Twitter, but Google's never going to do that. They might be incentivized to put Allo or what's their new uh, duo? They might put a duo button in my contact sheet, but they're probably not going to put a Microsoft Skype button. In my contact sheet. Yeah, but you know what? Apple don't care. They don't care. I think that's kind of nice. And they also launched an SDK for iMessages, so you could do iMessage apps, which is like their version of bots. Right. So that's a lot. Of, that's a lot. That is actually a lot of stuff for iOS 10. 
Yeah, there and home kit really, stuff. There's other stuff too, but yeah. I mean, the home kit stuff. I don't, you know what? I don't think yeah. home kit's going anywhere anytime soon. But I know. I, I thought it was. It was funny how they presented home kit. You know, before home kit, Internet of Things was a mess of random devices and standards. And I'm thinking to myself, if the next line out of his mouth isn't, and it still is today, then he's just. And he's like, but now with home kit, we've revolution. I'm like, oh brother. Give yeah. Again. You know. It's nice to see them open up some of these system level APIs. Uh, yeah, APIs for pretty much damn near everything, even the even the contacts, yeah, call screens, and stuff. But not to be doubting Thomas too much. They said third party developers can integrate with Siri. How deeply, and what more importantly, what can't I do? Because I find it really hard to believe that Apple is giving you the same access that they have to Siri. And I'm not saying like you should be able to like root, you know, you root on the phone or anything like that. But can you do anything, or is there like a set list of things developers are permitted to do? And well, here's like the same thing. here's what I noticed. I don't know if uh, I don't know if uh, maybe maybe we could see it really quickly. I'll let me let me see here. Um, yeah, okay, here we go. So uh, here, when he's talking about Siri, he tells there's a there's a slide that comes up. So much more. Yeah. Because we're opening up Siri to developers. Now you know that he'll put a screen up where it lists all the all the. I'm not sure if that was in this part. Now you'll be able to ask Siri things like, send a WeChat to Nancy saying I'll be five minutes late. And Siri can summon up the WeChat UI right inside of the Siri environment. Now, of course, Siri, because it understands the domains of things like messaging, allows you to say things in so many different ways. I could have said, WeChat Nancy, that I'll be five minutes late, or I need to send a message to Nancy via WeChat saying I'll be five minutes late. And I could do that in all sorts of different languages. Uh, well, the way what I recall was there's specific kits. So not, there's not like a Siri kit. There's like, there's like three or four Siri voice kit okay. and Siri message kit. There's like very specific Siri kits you can use. Okay. Yeah, it's not clear. I mean, one thing I just caught on, on the second listening, he called it the Siri environment. So is there some level of sandboxing to your Siri function? I mean, there has to be. Never. They're obviously. Oh, good right. catch. You're right. He did call it the Siri environment. I didn't even really, but words matter a lot when they're talking about yeah. this kind of stuff. So it's got to be, and, and sadly, we won't know this till after the conference. <laughs> yeah, you know, yes. not there. But it sounds like there is some sort of like, well, I'll use this word, particular environment you're in when you're running through Siri, which is not a bad thing as long as I can do stuff that's more than sending someone a message, right? Yeah. So if I can say, "Hey Siri, Slack, blah blah blah," that I'm running ten minutes late, that's awesome too. Like, totally yeah, that cool. would be. Yeah, I mean, that is either if that if that is the max, that is still a pretty nice feature. Um, but I don't know. It's really hard to say. And I guess you know they're gonna. They, we do have links, by the way, to the public beta when that goes out. So, um, yeah, I just want to jump yeah. really quick to a ten thousand uh, feet view here. <laughs> you know, one thing that you can do as a developer after every WWDC keynote is. Pick something brand new, build an app for it, and try to rush and get it done and take advantage <laughs> of the... Uh, yep. Which works, right? Because you're more likely to get featured. It actually is not an insane business model. I didn't see anything totally new, right? Um, not to downplay anything. I mean, the serious stuff is great. The messaging stuff is great. But these don't enable new app categories to me. And maybe yeah. it'll cogitate I, for a little while. I feel like the serious stuff... Like a lot of might. The Siri stuff you might have potential might? for it, especially if they, in the fall, announce a Siri device. You with a Siri device? I, why? Why do you want that? Well, because Apple's always taken a few cracks at it. I, I, I picture a Siri device. It is what I picture is it's an updated Apple Airport thingy. So it's your Wi-Fi access point, and it's oh, you're your, thinking like okay, yeah. That's, I think I here's what I'm thinking. I think they do a Wi-Fi access point, and you can put multiple ones in your home. They'll intelligently communicate to extend your Wi-Fi network, so you have like a mesh Wi-Fi network, like the like the Arrow and other things, and like ubiquity routers do. And I think so. It'll be it'll be a solution that does that. Plus, it'll also be an Apple Music speaker. So it's it's a Wi-Fi access point, a Siri interface, and an Apple Music speaker. No way. Why wouldn't it just be an Apple TV with Siri? Because they can sell this thing for 80 bucks or 90 bucks or something. 
it just sounds like too much, but I mean, maybe, maybe you're right. But then, uh, 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 so then these Siri, the Siri integrations could be maybe potentially a new, but w- without without any insight of where they're going with this, that's such a gamble. I would never actually, I would never bet on that. Right. I don't know. I mean, it, on the one hand, this this keynote was great. There was a lot of good stuff. You know, they've done a lot of things we've been asked for. New file system. <laughs> new file system. Stay with me. New file system. New file system. Boy, I'm really interested the in faster, that. Yeah. The faster app review times. And, and maybe that's my disappointment. All my favorite stuff, with the exception, of course, of the new file system, was not in the keynote, right? The subscription model, the lowering the uh, Apple tax, the faster app review times, which are probably the singular best thing that they've released related to this year's WWDC, were not in the keynote, which I definitely feel like a lot of people, myself included, came in with really, really high expectations then, and they were disappointed. You know, and, and the truth seemed to be that they have so many platforms and so many products and so many APIs now that there was nothing earth-shattering in this WWDC actual keynote itself, though there was some good stuff, that they just had so much quantity of stuff to go through. You got the watch, you got the TV, yeah. you got the Siri, you got all. The watch, I think, I think, by the way, the Apple Watch updates, very solid. Um, yeah, here, I just, here, the though, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm making a living, though, on, on Apple hardware... You know, if I if I'm producing software, if I'm pr- producing content, I am very very nervous by the fact that essentially all of Apple's computers are are like two three years old. I mean, they're just the the the, the they have not updated to Skylake yet, which oh, is okay. remarkable. And they used to and be some great of the moves. Skylake is crap. But keep going. I don't know. I mean, uh, that's what Apple does is they integrate that stuff properly, right? I mean, that's what they're supposed True. to. It just, I feel, while a lot of times the PC market struggles to, like, when they launched the MacBook Air, the first MacBook Air, they were the first ones with that new Intel low-power chip for a while, and nobody else really got it right for, like, two years. Well, it's funny, right? Because a couple years ago, they made a big splash with the Darth Vader trash can MacBook Pro. And then nothing. I'm sorry, Mac Pro. And nothing. Not even the video cards have been updated. And and they're still charging the original prices for all of that hardware, and those video cards are ancient now. Well, and that unit is, for almost every use case, crappier than the equivalent iMac, right? Like, you are better off saving a couple thousand dollars than just buying an iMac. But, you know, as a developer who works on Apple products, my workhorse is a MacBook Pro, just like every other developer who doesn't work on Linux or, for some sick, twisted reason, Windows. Why can't I have a new MacBook Pro? I... And you may say, oh, well, it's not, it's not a hardware, but you know what? You need to have a strong base of hardware for your people to work on. And it doesn't need to have crazy touchscreens in the keyboard, and it doesn't need to have, you know, thinner and lighter. It just needs to be faster and, for the love of God, expandable. Yeah, I'm sure they'll update something in the fall. It's, but by that time, but, it's, yeah, we're like, we're going, we're clocking three years now. And, and they, right. they've revved the models, but the actual internal components are ancient still. There's like all, there's all, there's entirely new classes of CPUs, GPUs, motherboard chipsets, uh, all of that, all of it. There's all of it's been updated several times uh, since they've shipped any of their stuff. Yeah. I have a I have an Apollo from a company called Entroware that I've had for several months now that has more modern components in it. Uh, I just uh, that's crazy to me. But speaking of hardware, you have some new hardware. I do, I do. I uh, I ended up pulling some some long hours on a project, and I got a, a gift from a client, a Huawei Honor phone, which is fairly interesting, and the Fossil Q Android watch came as a little pair. Uh, Fossil Q is an Android watch. It's not just a watch watch. Fossil. Oh yeah, they did nope. make an Android Wear watch. Android watch. Yep. How is that? Uh, well, it's way too big for my wrist, so I will be getting it resized. But so far, so good. It, you know, the Android watch I have is the Mo- original Moto 360. Yeah, this one, though, has a complete 360 display. It has a flat tire. It, what? No. No, this? Yeah. No. Yeah. The, the, I'm looking at it. The Fossil has a, flat, has a flat tire? I'm looking at it right now on my desk. It has a flat tire. Yeah, that's the one. Okay, I guess this must not be uh, this must not be their smartwatch that I'm. I'm oh, at. this is the uh, minus the founders edition. Oh, look at them with the cute black. You know, the reason you can't tell is because the screen's all black. black. Yeah, 
it's how can it how how can it how can you possibly in two in twenty sixteen ship a, a an Android Wear watch with a flat tire like that? I have the Hawaii Android, so I'm going to go look at the Android Wear. I have the Hawaii one, and I also have had the LG Watch R in the past. Although I I passed that on to Noah. Um, the Huawei uh, Wear is also a 360 display like the LG Watch R. None of these are particularly brand new uh, Wear watches, um, and they don't have flat tires, and they have all of the features, I, as far as I can tell, that the other watches have. What yeah, are, the thing I will – so far, the thing I'm going to give the Fossil Watch is it is a hell of a lot faster than the Moto 360, mm-hmm. and it's just a nicer watch, right? Boy, that looks so bad with that flat tire, though, because all of your stuff gets cut off at the bottom. All your stuff gets cut at the bottom. Yep. Huh. So, so uh, how how have you how have you found the build quality to be of the uh, well, of wait. the phone of of, its, of the phone itself? You know what? Not bad. I wish it was like a stock Android phone. It came with some weird launcher environment, which I quickly took off and put on the Google <laughs> Now one. Yeah. Uh, I haven't tested things like, you know, I, I've done like two phone calls on it today, but no real audio playback. I thought that I saw a lot of jagged, like, scrolling. I'm not sure if that's hardware or if that's just Android having problems scrolling. Mm, that's disappointing. You know, it's not a bad phone, and I, I looked up the price. It's actually a very affordable phone. Yeah, it's, it's, so it's called the Hero, right? Yeah, the hero. Yeah, that actually, I've looked at that on Newegg as an unlocked phone. It actually looks really nice. Uh, it does it have dual SIM And does it have two front unlocks? Or, sorry, does it have two front facing speakers? And mm, like a, a cool. bottom, like a little grill on the bottom? It's got the grill on the bottom, yep. And it's got, yeah, yeah, it does. Yeah, that's nice. See, that's a good, I like that. Yeah. Yeah, the hardware is super nice. I'm not sure about the software yet, um, which I. Th- you know, to be fair to Huawei, it keeps bugging me about an update to the firmware. So when I'm less afraid, I will do that. <laughs> yeah. That might solve some of my problems. Did you notice what version of Android it uh, shipped with? Uh, shipped? Yes. I think it was 5.0, but I let me so, tell you where. So not even Marshmallow? No, but I think that's not true anymore. Okay, good. So, you know, they make the Nexus 6, too, so you'd think they'd know how to ship a... Uh... So I think this is a version of the Nexus 5X, actually, this one. Yeah. Because I have side-by-side, and I, I'm almost sure this is the yeah. same hardware. And your performance complaints would sort of echo those of Nexus 5, or 5X owners, too. Right, and it, it has the same problems that my 5X has. That's why I really think it's the 5 All right, so right now I'm on 5.1.1. How can they justify that? I think Marshmallow's almost a year old now. Right? Isn't it? Like almost a year old? It's kind of ridiculous, right? I just, I never get, I never get, I never get over that. But I suppose. Hang on. Do we want to go into developer.android.com and see where my average user is right now? Yeah, sure. I'll be curious. Yeah. Oh, I think you'll be disappointed. (laughs) So are you you going to make this your daily driver, this watch? I mean, this phone, by the way? Are you going to make the phone? I'm I'm trying it out. It has my SIM card. I'm going to try out the phone. The watch, yes. I like the watch. I'm right, real time signing out because I have too many Google accounts signed in. <laughs> yeah, ah, uh, yeah. <clears throat> There's been a lot of interesting rumors if Hawaii will, or uh, uh, however you say it. Pretty will, sure it's Huawei. But. Huawei, uh, if they will be, uh, if they'll be making the next Nexus phone too. Nobody really knows. But <clears throat> All right, are you ready for the pain? Uh, yes, I am prepared. Tell me. All right. What is the number one version of Android on my app. I'm going to guess 4.4. Wrong. We're both wrong. Really? 5.1. Really? Well, that's that's better than I, I expected. It's better than I expected. Here's, here's How's that the possible, shocker. really? <laughs> here's, here's the next shocker. Okay. Number two. 6.0. What? Shut your face. Get the hell out of here. For the category I, I am in, I have double the amount of 6.0 you know, as a percentage of my total user base. Get it out of here. How is that now, possible? I, well, I think there's a little bit of shenanigans on that because some of the test devices here are 6.0. So you, you, if you took out some of those, well, even if you took out three users, it wouldn't matter. 
Uh, so, yeah, no, that's legit. Number two would be 6 0. Yeah, because we're yeah. on the. Yeah, also, uh, if anybody listening was on the show, downloaded it, they'd probably be on a newer version of. Uh, yeah, that's probably what it is. But, number three, and a very, very close number three. Android 4.4. Yeah, there you go. Just stroke it yeah. a little bit. That would be... I would expect that. Yeah. Huh. Now, Android... Weirdly enough, like, Android 5.0 is half of Android 4.4. And less than half of what 5.1 is. I am... So, for whatever for whatever reason, 5.1... Yeah. yeah. That's... Yeah. This is a... Looking at the grid here, this is a pretty recent spike. I am surprised so I by if, that. It seems like OEMs have really gotten on 5, uh, which seems like just jump over 5 and go to 6. It wasn't that great of a release. Oh, my God. My number one device. This is shocking. The Motorola Droid Turbo <laughs> by, by a surprising margin. So you know what that means. This all makes sense now. Whatever carrier sells the Droid Turbo probably just upgraded to 5.1. Oh. And that's almost certainly what happened. Hmm. And, and Sam's... Who the hell is using this on the Galaxy Tab? Oh. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Mr. Dominic, uh, any other notes yeah. we should hit on before we wrap up our WWDC heavy edition of the Coda Radio program? You notice no, we didn't I, even I do we didn't even do our traditional. Not to interrupt you, sorry, I'm such a jerk today. We didn't even do our traditional uh, predictions episode. We really tried to encapsulate the coverage into a single episode. Yes, right? Yeah, yeah. I, th- I think we don't want to be too Apple heavy. Yeah, I mean, when it's time to talk about it, and, and it happened today right before the show. So, all right, so what, before we go, we should mention just one more time that uh, there is the new preview app that Mr. Dominic has launched, and you get a 25% discount while it is in beta. So where should they go, Mr. Dominic? Uh, they should go to the link I'm putting in the show notes. The name of the app is Get Mask, uh, Get Mask and just follow me on Twitter. There you go. Yeah, it is also on his Twitter and we will have that in the show notes as well. I'm at Chris LAS in the show notes. If you ever want to join us live, you're welcome to join us. We're on Mondays. We start at noon Pacific, 3 p.m. Eastern over JBLive.tv. And these days, just following the Quota Radio program is Tech Talk Today. So you can uh, stick around and get a little more news and discussions on the live stream when you join us. It's always fun. You can get it converted to your local time zone at jupiterbroadcasting.com slash calendar. Coderadio.reddit.com is where you go to give us a story and feedback. Also, jupiterbroadcasting.com slash contact. It's where you can go to send us in your thoughts. Okay, everybody. Thanks so much for tuning in this week's episode, and we'll see you right back here next week. Mm-hmm.